you have your Bible today, I invite you to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Matthew 14, we started last week a, um, a series that I really didn't intend to start, but you know, hurricanes happen. So uh, we're just trying to talk about, because this is such a confession, a bedrock confession uh, of, of who we are as a church family and um, how we understand the world and the lens through which we understand the world, that Jesus reigns over everything. Um, and today I want to talk about how Jesus reigns over our insufficiency. Anybody on board with that? I'm so grateful for that. Like we could hold on to that. Uh, so I'm going to read this story and then we'll talk, try to do some description and then try to speak to it specifically. Matthew chapter 14. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Um, I should have said this earlier. Kids, if you need a kid's bulletin, they're right up here. It's not going to bother me if you come get them. Uh, and if you're a Bible app user, um, you can find our live event and then we'll have all the notes and stuff in there. Matthew 14, we're going to look at verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, let's just pause, ask this question. What's this? What did he hear? So back up, here's my text, back up to the top of chapter 14 right there. There's a little heading probably at the top of your chapter division. What's it say? The death of John the Baptist. Hey, look at me, everybody. Jesus knows what it's like to lose something or someone. He gets grief. Okay? He gets it. You may be experiencing grief right now. Jesus knows. Now when he had heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And that's not in there, but all the disciples were like, What? That's what, it, that's what happened. Verse 17, and they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. So he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? How many baskets did they take up? Okay. Uh, they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate uh, were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So 20,000 people, give or take. Um, I don't know if you have used this word or uh, even thought about this word, but the word insufficiency, that Jesus reigns over our insufficiency. Oh, I was thinking about that this week and all the challenges that we as a church have faced and all the challenges that the church at large in this area has faced. Um, and I just, I thought insufficiency and I thought about this story. And so I want to try to just take a moment and describe in some terms that the Bible uses, some verses, uh, to, to, to describe insufficiency. And the reason I, I wanted to do that is because uh, some of the things that I saw in the text are some of the things that I have felt in the past few weeks, and see if this feels familiar to me. Uh, this is one of the handful of stories that is told in all four Gospels. 
And so we're going to pull from different, uh, different gospels just to try to, they all give a little bit of detail. So he, he, this just describing insufficiency. Uh, let, let's start here um, with, with this word, inadequate. Has anybody felt inadequate over the past three weeks or so? Anybody? This, this from John, this is John's telling of the story. There is a boy here, the disciples are saying, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. And they're looking at the boy and his little basket. And then, then they turn around and look at 20,000 people. Boy, basket, 20,000. Boy, 20,000. Boy, 20,000. And they say this, but what are they for so many? Completely inadequate. That's the truth. Am I right? Completely inadequate. Boy, 20,000. I will say that personally, and certainly pastorally, I've looked at our church and I've said, God, in light of the need that is out there, what are we for such a need? Inadequate. That's what we are. That's one of the things that has come that maybe we fly the banner of insufficiency, but that's one chunk of it to say, uh, we're not adequate for this. We're not equipped for this. We're not ready for this. We're, we, we are, what are we for so many? Here's another one. Uh, just this overwhelming sense, uh, excuse me, this sense of being overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. From Luke chapter 9. Uh, the disciples of Jesus same story again, said, we have, I love this, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. We're not hiding bread under our robes, Jesus. Like, I mean, we're not just pulling, like, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. And then they get a little sarcastic. Unless we're to go out and buy food for all these people. Overwhelmed. 20,000 people. And what do we, what do you, what do you want us to do? You want us to go buy food? Are you, has anybody walked into a place, um, been in a conversation, or seen something in the past three weeks where you have felt absolutely, positively overwhelmed? Insufficiency. We're inadequate. We're overwhelmed. Here's the third one. Um, this, this, see if this just rings true with anybody from Mark chapter 6. Anybody felt tired? And I don't mean like, I could use a nap. I mean like, if I stop moving, I'm going to go down. You know what I mean? I, like, bone weary. Soul weary. Tired in both body and heart. Jesus, Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Wouldn't that be nice right now? For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So much is happening that they don't even have time to grab a quick bite. Tired. Insufficiency, it may be described in many other ways, but here's what I know, that I think we have kind of experienced this sense of inadequacy and the sense of being overwhelmed and this carrying around 
You can see it on faces and on shoulders and the, and the, the shuffling instead of the striding sense of tired. And it, for me, it just is, it gets provoked even more. This, in, this sense of insufficiency gets provoked even more, not just with the inadequacy um, or, or being tired or being overwhelmed, but it gets it's provoked even more because Jesus, look at what he does in, in Matthew 14 again, verse 16. But Jesus said, they need not go away. There's 20,000 people here. Yes, they do. They need to go away. No, they don't. They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. He said, so bring them here to me. Part of what provokes, I think, this sense of insufficiency in me is the, Jesus still has his foot on the pedal. Like there's still this sense of calling. There's just this sense, hey, we're supposed to still do something about this. Church family, listen. We've been on afterburners for three weeks here. And I'm telling you, I don't think Jesus has taken his foot off the pedal yet. Ministry will look different. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I I just don't think Jesus is going to let us walk away from this window of opportunity to see the kingdom come in some people's lives. Just this sense of calling. So if we're going to have this sense of calling, what are some of the things that we need to do? Like the disciples, we need to kind of lean into the discomfort of all of this. Many of us have been in places that, are very, that is not very, excuse me, that is very much not comfortable. We have seen things and smelled things and been a part of things that were not comfortable. We've experienced things. We've lived with things. We've had to live without things. Uh, there was not, we lean in to that discomfort, just like the disciples had to. And we lean in, not just to the discomfort, but also with the sense of compassion. Look back at verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he was really annoyed that there was a great crowd. You know what that? Oh, no, no, no. What's it saying? He had compassion on them and healed them. He saw the needs of the people around him. And the word compassion in the Greek means he was moved from his gut. Some of you have had that this past week, past couple of weeks. You've encountered someone, been somewhere, saw something, spoke with someone, whatever. And, oh. We lean in with his sense of compassion. And we lean in, why? Because we're following his example. The one thing he was not going to let his followers do was stand up and walk away. We're going to let him do that. His foot was still on the pedal. Cult. That's what provokes for me the greatest sense of insufficiency. The task, Jesus, we are inadequate for the task. God, we are inadequate for the task. We are overwhelmed by the needs that we see. And we are already flat, worn out. And yet you still call us. Here's the good news for me. And boy, ever since I woke up in the middle of the night, because I'm not sleeping. Anybody else not sleeping through the night these days? It's somewhere between adrenaline and caffeine that you just and, and cortisol, the stress hormone, that you just don't sleep through the night anymore. Like... I woke up in the middle of the night, and this is the statement. As I'm praying about this Sunday and praying about, this is the statement. And boy, I have held on to this. I want you to hold on to it too. If you walk away with anything, walk away with this one statement. The good news for you and for me, 
He never asked for us to be sufficient. He's never asked for our sufficiency, ever. He's only asked for our availability. Jesus never asked for our sufficiency. Why? Because we are insufficient, inadequate, overwhelmed, tired, but still cold. He never asked for our sufficiency. He only asked for our availability. Question. If you have five loaves and two fish for 20,000 people, is that a sufficient meal? Somebody? Do you think five loaves of bread and a couple of fish can feed 20,000 people? It, it can't, can it? It cannot. But if they're available, then they are, uh, then, you, I mean, you saw the miracle, right? If they're available, then God does something pretty amazing and miraculous. So, the good news for me, good news for you, Jesus doesn't ask for our sufficiency. He only asks for our availability. And because Jesus reigns over everything, including our insufficiency, I just want to say these two things. Number one, availability trumps insufficiency. If Jesus is in charge of the world, which we're grateful that he is, and he's reigning right now over everything, availability trumps our insufficiency. It wasn't that the loaves and the fish were magic. It's that Jesus reigns over everything, including insufficiency. It wasn't that the loaves and the fish were somehow just going to be substantial enough. No, 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 they weren't. It's just that Jesus reigns over that insufficiency. What he required of them was availability. Guess what, church? Guess what he's going to require of us? Availability too. Here, here, here's the thing. If you're betting, if you're, if you're a betting person on this, you look at 20,000 and you look at five loaves and two fish and you bet against that every time. You would be right to do so, right? I mean, like that is the only play if you're a betting person. In fact, you can basically survey history and you can survey the, the, the New Testament even. And before you know the end of the story, when you look at the circumstances that the church continually faces, you bet against the church every time. And guess what? You'd be wrong every time. Why? Because the availability trumps the insufficiency. Some of us are at the place where we're like, okay, availability trumps insufficiency, but I don't know what to do. Anybody with me on that? I just flat don't know how to proceed from here. In my mind, and especially some of your engineers' minds, you're thinking like two and three and four steps out, right? Can I just release you from something? I want, this has been so encouraging to me. When I think about availability, he's not asking for sufficiency. He's asking for availability. When I think about the, like we want to you know, take the, have the next three or four steps planned out, right? He doesn't, we are not, this is such good news. We are not accountable for three steps from now. You know what we're accountable for? Which step are we accountable for? The next step, the very next step that we're supposed to, that's the only one that we're accountable for. That's it. Four steps from now, not accountable for that. Next step, yes. And so uh, uh, one of our church members, Holly Splon, put this up on Facebook, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago now. But I saved it because as this stuff was kind of building and overcoming, this was grace to me. That One of these quotes is from George McDonald. Listen to this. What God may hereafter require of you, steps three, four, and five, what God may hereafter require of you, you must not give yourself the least trouble about. 
everything he gives you to do, you must do as well as ever you can. And that is the best possible preparation for what he may want you to do next. What step are we responsible for and accountable for? The next step, not the, ne- not the one after that, the next one. If people would, do, uh, would but do what they have to do, they would always find themselves ready for what came next. I don't know what to do. Do what you know to do next. That's all you got to do. That's the only thing you're responsible for. Well, I don't be available to take the next step. That's the one that God wants you to take is the next one. This is another one from Elizabeth Elliot. She said this, are you dreading something that you think is coming next? Does that qualify? Does anybody resonate with that in here? Are you dreading something that you think is coming next? The way to prepare for that is simply to do what you have to do now. Not four steps down the road. You need to take one step. Be available to take the next step. Our availability. You, you, in your mind, this is what you think. But, but I'm not, I can't do that. I mean, I see where this goes. Four steps down the road, I see where this goes. I see it. I'm not sufficient for that. You're right. You're not sufficient for that. But your availability will trump the insufficiency. This is how it works in the kingdom. Second statement. Oh, let me pause here. Let me pause. Um, as a church family, um, I mentioned a while ago, ministry is going to kind of look different, we think, in the weeks to come. Let me just try to paint a very broad, brushed picture of some of the things that we hope to do in the future. Um, there's kind of two different rails that we're hoping to do in this phase two section. Uh, one is, uh, for those who are displaced, uh, we, previously we've been giving kind of this much help to this broad of a group because a lot of people needed this much help in mucking out houses. We are trying to now give this much help to a, a, a smaller section, a more focused group, um, starting with church family and then kind of expanding out from there um, as we you know, figure out who needs the triage and, and how we get that separated. Um, and it starts with things like resources, like uh, dehumidifiers and uh, plastic totes and that kind of thing. Uh, one of the rails that we're looking at for phase two is, is this basic home kit where we try to deliver a table and a bookshelf and just some small furniture to begin to, uh, to do that. And it's going to be um, really, God has already, let me just say, he's already done some pretty awesome things uh, with that. The stories that I'll tell sometime. Uh, and so, we, you know, we'll need help putting those together and delivering and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's part of what phase two looks like. Uh, another section of phase two, in fact, I just I had a meeting between the services with some really, really smart people about this, about trying to get people dried back in. Just sheetrock, maybe even just on one side of the wall, but sheetrock, doors hung, just some insulation in, just some simple things so that they can begin to live in their houses, get their kids back in their schools and all this kind of stuff. And um, God is already doing some really great things there. But this is what we're hoping phase two will begin to take shape. Here's the deal, church. Listen to me, please. Um, we, we are insufficient for this. And in fact, it feels like we're going 90 miles an hour in a heavy fog. Okay, that is the truth. Um, it has felt that way from day one. Could this plan change tomorrow? Somebody? Will it? Probably. Like it may change in the next 15 minutes. I mean, that's, that's just how fluid this. But we're trying to say, okay, God, we think you're kind of leading us this way. And so we, it's easier to uh, turn a moving ship than it is one that's still. So let, let's just start moving and we'll figure out how, uh, or, you know, kind of what the needs are and that kind of thing. 
That's what we're hoping phase two will become, okay? And we'll have people in to help with that. And there's all sorts of great things, like I said, God's doing. Um, uh, here, like, we think that's what it's going to be. Everybody hear me caveat? Can I caveat this about 12 other ways? Like, I'm, we're not saying this is what it's going to be. We think this is the way that God's leading us. And so, um, you know, are, are we sufficient for these things? No. But we want to make ourselves available because he's never asked us to be sufficient. He's only asked us to be available. That's what we think phase two is going to look like. Se- second statement under this is that, is that our availability also uh, trumps our brokenness. It doesn't matter how you got broken. <laughs> in, in this particular case, who broke the five loaves? Who did it? Somebody say it out loud. Jesus did. Sometimes one of the kindest things he can do is break us so that he can make us useful. Sometimes we come in already broken. Good news, Jesus uses broken things. I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that. Availability trumps brokenness. Some of us have been broken by the circumstances that we've encountered, either our own or somebody that we love dearly. Some of us have been broken by uh, this overwhelming sense of grief and loss and weariness. Some, uh, some of us have broken by the, been broken by the time that this has taken, this process, and just the hours and hours and hours that people have invested. Avail- our availability trumps the brokenness uh, that, that we may bring. Listen, Jesus used broken fish and broken bread to do the miraculous. He really did. He never asks for our sufficiency. He only asks for our availability. One of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, said this, God never uses anyone greatly until he tests them deeply. And there have been so many amazing stories that have come out of this. And when we offer ourselves, even if it costs us something, even if there's brokenness involved, even if it exposes us in some ways, when we bring whatever we bring to the table and make ourselves available, Jesus is in the business of using that, those things, using us, and using them miraculously. In fact, availability, here's what it is. It's my invitation to God. Most of the time we hear about God inviting me. Availability is my invitation to God to say, hey God, write me into the story that you're telling Use me in some way. Here I am. I'm presenting myself. I'm volunteering. I'm saying, here, God, here's here's where I am. Now, Now, write me into the story that you're telling here. And he is telling, listen, he's telling an amazing story. Not just with our church. Our church is stunned, but with the church around here. An amazing story. I've got a few minutes. Let me just give you a couple. Um, there's a lot of gratitude that goes to people that are way behind the scenes. And those, those stories will n- never fully be told. I- I'm just a couple of them here. Um, uh, there, there's a, a kitchen crew that's in there right now that um, Heather and, and um, uh, Miriam and uh, Nikki and Gwen and some others who've just worked their tails off in there to make sure that our people get fed when they need to get fed. Um, there's a command center bunch in there that uh, they have, you just don't know the number of hours that they have put in organizing this stuff. 
um, Amy and Rebecca and um, uh, Jim and Carolyn and, and um, others who've rotated in just hours upon hours. The, the, there's a crew down there resourcing what we've affectionately termed Home Depot, where all the tools are. Um, Don and Don and, and uh, um, Richard and Carl and um, Jeff was there um, at points and uh, I'm sure Mark Williams, I'm sure I'm forgetting others. And like those are stories that never get told. But here's what those uh, Stacy and Alita and Jen Joyner, when they're organizing the resources that come in, like here's the things that those kind of things do. They free other people up to do the kind of external ministry. Um, this whole thing got started. She's not in here, so I'll tell the story. This whole thing got started Sunday the, of Hurricane Day when um, I'm getting out of the shower and getting dressed, and my wife says, hey, as a church, have you thought about what we're going to do? I'm like, well, I've, I've had some thoughts. She doesn't take that as an answer, right? Like, she, that's not her play. So she goes, well, I've had some thoughts too. And she starts scratching them out on a piece of paper. And we take those seminal ideas and smooth them out and coordinate them. And it becomes our response at our kitchen table. Like we planned it because my wife said, here, let me write some things down that you need to think about. She's the idea person in our family, hands down. Like so much of what we've done happened at our kitchen table because of my wife. So like they're just, and it has launched all of this incredible ministry. God is telling an amazing story. Yesterday, um, a mom and her son uh, were out doing mobile distribution, and the son says to the mom, hey, mom, I think we're supposed to turn right. She's like, all right, you know, turn right. Um, And so they go down the street, and there's a family out there. They stop, given some resources, family. Thank you so much. Here's the thing. We just didn't know that somebody cared about us. You know what that sounds like? Jesus gets off the boat, he looks at the crowds, and he has compassion on them. So mother and son stop and pray and say, hey, there's a God in the world who cares about you. I, just, I, got, I got 15 of those stories I could tell right now. The, um, the other one I'll tell just quickly. Who's sufficient for this? Carrie, our kid's pastor. And they got six or eight inches of water in their house. She leaves her house, walks across to Wedgwood Elementary, and they live right there. And the people that are being evacuated out of that neighborhood, she organizes games, crafts, and coloring projects for the kids. That's heroic, people. Nobody's sufficient to face what they face, but yet here they are. You don't, you don't have to be sufficient. What do you have to be? Available. Because Jesus never asked us to be sufficient. He only asks us to be available. And so um, we're going to take a minute and pray. And what I would like to do is just present ourselves available. Some of you will not be able to help today. Right? Listen, there's no guilt in that. You got other things you got to do. That's not a problem. Some of you are going to go this week and you're going to be um, in meetings or in other places where you will need to make yourself available for God to use. That's, what, that's the kind of thing we're going to pray for. Because it's not just, listen, <laughs> We don't want to just live this way when there's a hurricane. Who's with me on that? I don't want to live like this when there's only a hurricane, right? Like crisis mode is not my life. Like at some point, I want to get out of this, but I still want to live available. So that's what we're going to pray for. So I invite you to close up, fold up, put up, whatever you need to do. And let's take a second and pray.